Life on the Run, 60 Observations in January 2021. I wrote this at the end of 2020, reflecting on the year that was, the COVID year of 2019-2020. There are many things I'm grateful for in 2020. 2020 is the year in which I've had to approach personal, family and professional life very differently, often challenging my perspectives and my preconceptions. For me, I've enjoyed the experience and learned a lot which I will carry forward into 2021. I'm grateful for the 14 weeks long service leave with Jenny. It was the first time in 36 years of teaching we had time together in long service leave. We spent it at Pennant Hills and Avoca when we were allowed to go to Avoca. It was not our planned trip to UK, but we really enjoyed each other's company and got quite a lot of things done, including some painting, a bit of work around the garden, and some exercise. 2020 was the year I also turned 60, and I'm grateful that I've made it this far. I have a few goals in this decade, which I will reveal in due course. Needless to say, it will be setting me up for the next 36 years of my life, a goal I set many years ago to live to 96 years old. This goal, 96, is based on the TV program I wasn't allowed to watch in the 1970s called Number 96 which was followed with the box. I'm grateful for my life as a teacher in 2020. One thing that will be different in 2021 is that I will be starting a new teaching position in a different school. I'm very much looking forward to this change and grateful for the past 11 years. Finally, I'm grateful for my running. I don't think it's a coincidence that this year I have run the most kilometers I've run ever. My runs gave me solace, peace of mind, time to reflect, have helped my fitness and health and so much more. My running made 2020 so much easier to navigate and I started to think a bit more about why this was the case. I've put together 60 thoughts or concepts about how running has helped me which I will share over the month of January on Facebook. Each post starts with the hashtag life on the run and if you're on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram that's the hashtag I've used for life on the run. Life on the run, number one, modesty. My running didn't always lend itself to modesty, though it should have. The better I got at running, especially at the start as I got faster, my modesty evaporated. I was at my peak of fast running over the short distances up to 12Ks in 1986. I was not that good really, but just now and then sneaking under four minutes a kilometre up to 10Ks, and I think I even did 48 minutes for 12Ks at one stage, I felt like a real athlete. I knew the base I had gave me some sort of experience and I've been two, two years working and I was proud of the progress. I didn't have an ounce of modesty, but I was confident in my running, which cut across into my life, so much so that I didn't see any issues in what I said I did. This is a lesson that I've learned and I hope I've displayed signs of more modesty now. On reflection, this lack of modesty and more so not even recognising the need for modesty, did have a negative impact on my life and running. It was a lesson well learnt, and I would do things very differently now. Life on the run, number two, excellence. All through my life I've struggled with the concept of excellence. Many years ago I came across this quote, Don't let perfect get in the way of better. I believe everyone has something that they can be excellent at, but the trick for me was working out the journey 
to find this excellence. I needed patience when it came to excellence in my running. I found the sweet spot. I'm comfortable that six kilometre running is my special niche. It took me a while to get there, but if I have anything I could claim to be good at, it's six kilometre running. As for excellence, I'm still looking. Life on the run, number three, place. All my running embraces an appreciation of places in which I run. When Standing Bear was moved off his land in the 1880s in USA, he said the following, If you don't know where you are, you don't know who you are. And for me, this rings true. A lot of my stories and memories are linked to the places I've lived in and I've run. Running has always been, for me, about the place I'm running in and experiences of these places. When I think of my running, I initially think of where I have run, where I'm running, and where I will be running in the future. Whether it was Barrel, St Ives, Barara, Galston, Avoca, Main Beach, and for the past 20 years, Pennant Hills, running in each of these places evokes memories, experiences, and associated emotions. I am drawn to arid landscapes like Tipperbara. I was last there in 1982 and remember fondly people I travel with. The locals, the footprints of explorers like Charles Sturt, well I didn't really see the footsteps, who endured like an ultra runner. I just want to go back there and run the dry salt pans between the sand dunes of the Sturt National Park on the way to Cameron's Corner. One day I'll do it. The sense of place, knowing oneself, Standing Bull was onto something. Life on the run, number four. The past. My first History University essay question was, history is nothing more than the justification of the winning side by scholarly means. I started running in 1984 and I do view my running in the past through rose-coloured glasses but don't necessarily justify successes or otherwise by any means. I've kept records and I'm glad I did. In 1984, I started what I call the pub book, where at the end of the first week of school, while I was having a few beers to wrap up the week and prepare for the weekend, I would write out all sorts of things, including running and other factual things that, that I've done during the week. After a while, other people in the pub started to write in my pub book as well. I have dozens of these books and then went to the different forms over the years to a digital pub book such as blogs, Word documents and now social media posts and you could even argue a podcast that I'm reading now is part of the evolution of the pub book. I had a brief period of disillusionment and tossed out some detailed running logs in the 1990s and I tossed out all the records, certificates and t-shirts. Thankfully, thankfully, I do now have plenty of good supply of my own primary resources documenting my past experiences of running through the pub book. Fortunately, the memory is still pretty good at the moment, but the logs are useful to cross-check the dates and times and events since the late 1990s. The public was one of the best things I did while having a beer in a pub in Barrel in 1984. Life on the run, number five, future. I spend a moment each day projecting forward to where and when my run will be for the day. Runs are locked in a week ahead, factoring in life, to determine which runs I can run, where I can go, on what days, and how long I can go for. This is just part of the monthly roadmap of getting to at least 100 kilometres per month 
And if I reach 100 kilometers early, I give myself a taper towards the end of the month, providing my body a rest, as if it was a race. It's extremely rare for me to run in the morning, except when training for the host city marathon in 2000. Typically, I run in the evening, either just prior to a late meal or after dinner on a weekday. I can't imagine my life in the future without running, but I do imagine my future with a change to the nature of running. Maybe a little bit slower, definitely some walking, probably more shuffling, but there will always be one step after the other moving forward. Life on the run, number six, the present. In 1986, I had to travel from Barrel to Parramatta for a tax audit. I rarely do anything wrong, and when it comes to tax, I don't do anything wrong, and I don't deduct much at all. I was nervous and annoyed because I thought the tax person I had would deal with the situation. I was a bit naive about what was required. I had some time to spare and I went into the Dimmicks at Parramatta and I popped into the new age area of the bookshop, which was the trend in the 1980s. I was flicking through a good book on Buddhism by Christian Humphreys and I stopped on the chapter on Buddhism, Buddhism for Westerners. It was here I came specifically across Zen Buddhism and the importance of living in the here and now. There was only a handful of runs in over 20,000 kilometres of running where I could honestly say I was in the moment of the run. Often my mind is in the past and the future, but I have to let go to be in the present. I often don't know I'm in the present until after it's past. I run on the road against the traffic and I can sense the traffic but don't think about it. I used to be able to bound down single bush tracks, leaping between rocks, not thinking, and as soon as I started thinking about what I was doing, I risked the chance of a fall or rolling my ankle. Sometimes I try to be consciously present to the moment, to the sound of the semi-trailers on Pennant Hills Road, the rhythm of the people running next to me in races, or the sound of the silence in the bush run, until I realise I'm lost and the panic sets in. That trip to Parramatta changed my philosophical direction in my life and running. That's a wrap for Life on the Run, the first six. If you haven't guessed already, I do things in sets of six. I run for six kilometres. Marathon's not 42 kilometres, it's seven six kilometre runs. And I'll do the other six a bit later on. That's all for me for the time being. I hope you enjoyed Life on the Run and the first six observations. 